If you don't say no to a lot of stuff, you will say yes to a lot of stuff and you will not get done what God wants you to do. The Resurrection of You, Part 3, The Other Half, Target Time Training. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today, we will be studying from the book of 2 Kings, beginning at the 13th verse, New King James Version. Elijah had become sick with the illness of which... He would die. And actually in this first paragraph of these verses, about four different sermons. As a matter of fact, I preached a sermon about this particular verse years ago called When the Healer Needs Healing. Now, Elisha was perhaps one of the greatest prophets, was one of the greatest healing gifts there ever was. And here this begins with Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Second point, not even related to the main point. First, the greatest prophet was sick, who had the greatest healing anointing, was sick with something he couldn't cure himself from. With all of this anointing from God, and he was suffering from disease and illness himself. You know, sometimes pastors and prophets have issues and they can't fix their own stuff. So here was Elisha, one of the greatest, most powerful prophets, sick unto death. And he couldn't fix his own stuff. This man had raised up folk from the dead and he couldn't fix his own stuff. Then he is laying up in the bed, sick unto death. And here the king comes him talking about his problems. Elisha, oh my, the horseman in the chariot, Elisha, help me. And he up there laying up there about to die. Second point. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Then Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. 
And Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and regarded them because of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. Now Hazael, king of Syria, died. Then Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his place. And Jehoash, the king, the son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, the cities which he had taken out of the land. And Jehoahaz, his father by war, three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. And I am dealing with a series that actually deviated from the prayer series that I was dealing with called the resurrection of you. And this is the resurrection of you part three, the other half, the other half. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck Five or six times, then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You see, the king of Israel only did half of what he should have. So I want to talk to you about the resurrection of you. Now, the first two parts of the resurrection of you dealt with, first of all, the levels of resurrection from the freshly dead to the good and dead to the no meat on the bones. But yet... With so many of our situations, there are far more who has suffered these, what I would call, lack of total fulfillment simply because we just haven't had done what we should have done. And Elisha got angry with the king of Israel that you should have struck it five or six times. You only struck it half the number of times you should have struck it. And here the king of Israel, I guess he was saying, well, you didn't tell me how many times to strike it. I struck it how many times I felt like striking it. And I didn't feel like striking it but three times. But Elijah said, had you have struck it five or six times, you would have fully destroyed Syria. And when you read down on in the story, he had fought and defeated them three times. But his sons and his grandsons They had to fight Syria over and over and over and over because the daddy didn't do half of what he should have done. So I talked to you today from the resurrection of you, the other half. This is the other half you're using. And so many of us are like that. We're using half of our potential. We're doing half of what we could do. We're doing what we want to do, not what we should do. And if we were doing what we should do, what we could accomplish, what we could leave in the earth, what we could transform would be absolutely phenomenal. And I want to talk to you for just these few minutes, the resurrection of you, the other half, about target, time, and training. Target, time, and training. See, the first thing is just the target or the goal of knowing What does God want me to do? See, this is what the king of Israel failed to ask Elisha. How many times should I strike? And had the king of Israel asked Elijah to ask God, how many times should I 
strike the ground, Elijah could have told him you need to do a minimum, a bare minimum of five or six. Because you see, actually, it wasn't that hard to hit the arrows on the ground. That wasn't even that hard. But what he was missing was the target. He didn't know how many times he should strike the ground. And as a result, he operated out of his own wisdom, out of his own knowledge of how many times he felt he ought to strike the ground. When you're getting a target, when you're getting a goal in life, always ask God, is this what I ought to do? Or ask God, what should I do? Or ask God, how far should I go? Where should I go? When you seek the word of the Lord, often you will find it is an entirely different path. It is an entirely different number than what you thought and what you figured in your own mind. You see, even the Greek word for sin means missing the mark. It is actually an archer's term. And it means basically to miss the target. And so many of us, we don't commit what we would call a biblical sin, but we live so far beneath our capacity. We live so far below what we could do and what we could have done. All, first of all, because we've never asked God, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what is my target? And you should have targets in all of the four major areas of life. In the four major areas of life, spirit, health, relationships, and money. And you need a target in all four of those areas. And when you actually Bend down and get on your knees and humble yourself and ask God, Lord, what should be my target in these four areas? Often what you will find is entirely different than what you figured and what you had set your goal to be. And usually when God gives you a target, it's much more difficult than you want to do. Now, I'm assuming that it was easy to strike the ground five or six times, but I don't know the whole story. It may have been Elijah had him run out five miles and strike a mountain and then come back. And then run out another five miles, strike the mountain again. And I don't know the whole story. So it could have been the king could have said, man, I don't run out here three times. I'm tired. I ain't going in. So I don't know because usually when you get a word from God about your target, that target is further along than what you, even Jesus was like that. Jesus died for our sins, but he said, Lord, if there's any way, take this target away from me. Let me do this thing an easy way, if there's any way, but thy will be done. But if there's an easier way, see, when God gives you a target, that target sometimes is rough. It's not what we want to do. And you need to have targets in every single area of your life, in your spiritual life. You need to have a particular target. How much are you spending in time in prayer? How much are you spending in time studying God's word? How much are you spending doing God's work? How much are you doing in your spiritual world? And if you ask God and God gives you an answer, I can pretty much guarantee it's more than what you want to do. If you ask God about your relationships And I don't mean just romantic relationships, but all kinds of relationships. Sometimes God will tell you something about some relationships. He'll tell you, you need to break away from them. He'll tell you, right, they're not good for you. I know I've had some friends that I had for life and God, you need to break that relationship. 
They are not going where you need to go. They're holding you back. And I knew it was all true. But you know, you have some good time, folk. You just have a good time with them. You understand what I mean? You just have some good time. They, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to do anything. But they are a whole lot of fun. And you don't even want to break away from them because it's such a good time. But the good time is not where God is trying to take you. So even in relationships, sometimes God will have you going in an entirely different direction than where you want to go, even with your health. If you ask God, Lord, what do I need to do for my health? Chances are he's going to tell you some stuff you don't want to hear. I mean, the stuff he's got me doing, to be honest, I said, what I'm working on right now. He said, I want you to be able to do 25 pull-ups. That's military-style, full pull I said, Lord, the Navy SEAL competitive level is 11. You want me doing twice, and Navy SEALs are in the early 20s. They're the peak of physical fitness. Navy SEAL competitive is 11. You want me to do 25? That's not what I want to do. And I'm struggling on that. And God told me that some years ago. I've been working on that thing ever since. Finally, he spoke to me. He said, look. You need some financial pain in order to reach this goal. And he said, if you don't reach it by this date, this is what you must give away if you don't reach that. But it did pep it up a little bit. I'm up to 17 now. (laughs) But it's not something I wanted to do. If I'd have said to myself, let me see what I need to do for my body. I'd have had a whole lot lower level. I'd have said seven pull-ups is fine. The Navy SEAL minimum is six. I do one more than the minimum. Seven ought to be pretty doggone good. Especially these are men in their late teens, early twenties. If I can do what their minimum is, I ought to be pretty doggone good. That's not what God says. First, I want you to do 25. I got this running speed goal. That's a way. But what God wants you to do oftentimes is far beyond what you want to do. But you need to ask God, Lord, how many times do I need to strike the ground? And when God will speak to you, it'll be a whole new level, but it will take your life to a whole different level. And folk won't even be able to understand. See, when God really directs your life, first of all, it's going to show. That's number one. It's going to show. When the devil directs your life, it shows. When God directs your life, it shows. So it will show when God begins to direct your life and you follow what God is telling you to do. That does not mean that you're not going to have problems because Elisha, who was one of the greatest prophets of the Bible, period. The man had so much healing power that his bones resurrected a man. But yet he died of an illness he could not cure himself. But his power and his direction and following God showed So when you ask God, Lord, what should I do in these targets? And even with your money. I remember I had a a recent situation. I was concerned about some things with the company. And God just told me, your goal in that area is just too low. I said, well, what should the goal? Now, I had set a pretty high goal. I said, what should the goal be? He said, 10 times what your current goal is. And I'm sitting there saying, what in the world? Sometimes God will tell you some stuff. That makes absolutely no. Because you think, to be honest about it, some of y'all think y'all are doing pretty good already. And perhaps you are, but pretty good may not be where God wants you to be. He may want you to be absolutely phenomenal. So you're thinking you're doing pretty good, but God says, I want you to do 10 times that. And then when I really looked at it, I said, to be honest about it, the hardest part is reaching the first goal I'd set. If I can reach that goal, the 10 times actually is not that difficult. It changed my whole mentality and my whole thought pattern, but at least now I have a target and I know 
where the company must go. So when God tells you something, it'll often change your whole concept of where you think you should be. And see, some of you are like aluminum. What do you mean, Pastor, like aluminum? A few hundred years ago, back in the early 1800s, aluminum was actually more valuable than gold. It was more valuable than gold because the extraction process for aluminum was very difficult and it was very slow. It was hard to get aluminum and all of the whole aluminum industry only made a few ounces of aluminum the whole year. So when you look at it, actually the French government once displayed aluminum bars next to the crown jewels. And the emperor Napoleon III reserved a prize set of aluminum eating wear for special guests at the banquet. And the less favored guests used gold knives and forks. The real favorite ones used aluminum. But in the mid-1800s, aluminum was $550 an ounce. Because they made some big scientific breakthroughs and they were able to mine aluminum and process it much cheaper, 50 years later, it was 25 cents an ounce. The aluminum was always there in the earth. They just figured out how to get it out a whole lot more efficiently. You see, the greatness is in you. You got to figure out how to get it out. It's in you. But you're only getting out a few ounces a year. And God says, I want to get some pounds out of you. You got to figure out how do I get it out? Target, time, and training. How do I get where God wants me to be? First, ask God, Lord, what's my target? What's my goal? Where should I be? What should I do? When you get that clearly, it sets the whole mode. Because that old statement If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And if you're hanging around with people with low goals, you will incorporate the same goals of the people you are hanging around. It just makes a difference who you hang around. If you hang around folk climbing a mountain, eventually you'll find yourself climbing a mountain. If you're hanging around folk sliding down a mountain, eventually you'll find yourself sliding down a mountain. And see, once you get your target, you begin to understand, I got to get around a different set of folk if I want to go there. Because they got a different goal and a different target. And the folk I'm hanging around, they're not going where God wants me to go. So your first thing you got to do, you got to get the target. Where does God want me to go? What does God want me to do? Where does God want me to be? In all four of those areas of life. Where does God want my spirit? Where does God want my relationships? Where does God want my health? Where does God want my money? And I can tell you, God does not want you in bad shape in any one of those four areas. Almost the number one pharmaceuticals on the market right now are dealing with antidepressants. Antidepressants are nothing but an evil spirit on you. I mean, you may not be like casted out, but that's the bottom line of what it is. It's a depressive evil spirit. In the old days, that's what they call an evil spirit. You're just depressed. And when you look at the top prescription drugs now, it's dealing with antidepressants. Because folks said that joy has left their life. So spirit is number one. Lord, where do you want my spirit to be? I can tell you he wants you to have fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, and love. And when you don't have joy, when you don't have peace, when you don't have love, you don't have your spirit where God wants it to be. He doesn't want you taking antidepressants. He doesn't want you depressed. You ought to be living in the fullness of Christ and in the full joy of Christ. What about your relationships? The Bible says clearly God hates divorce. It's plain as day. When you read what Jesus taught, I don't even want to get into that. That's another whole subject. But 
If we really sought God to begin with before we walk down the aisle, we might not walk down that aisle. And we might not walk down that aisle with that same person we do walk down the aisle with. But a lot of times folk won't seek God. They like what they see. They won't seek. They see. And as a result, they walk down the aisle with something. And a few years later, they, you all know the stories. Lord, who do you want me to have? But they don't look like I want them to look. Lord, they don't taste good. And you got the good kisser, and all of a sudden the good kisser kissing somebody else. You need to seek who God wants you to have. In all of your relationships, whether it's romantic, whether it's with siblings, whether it's with children, whether it's with friends. Lord, who do you want me around? Who do you want me with? What's my target in the relationships you want me to have? Ask God about your health. Now, some stuff you don't need to ask God about. Lord, should I stop smoking? You don't need to ask God about that. So there's some things you don't need to ask God about. It's plain as day you operate in wisdom. You only need divine guidance when it goes beyond wisdom and you need some initial stuff. Most of the stuff you already know what to do. You just need the discipline to get it done. God does not want you sick. Sickness is a curse. But that's why he's told me, work out six days a week, you'll never be sick. So I told you, y'all ever see me sick? It means I haven't worked out those six days a week. And that's exactly what the doctors will tell you. Your optimum is to work out six days a week. Now, do you think I want to work out six days a week? That's the first question. How many of y'all think I want to work out six days a week? Raise your hand if you think I want to. No, I sure don't. Let me ask you the second question. How many of y'all think I do work out six days a week? I don't. I just don't. I try, but I'm not going to lie to you. Pastor has some issues. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just like that king of Israel. I have some challenges sometimes doing what I am supposed to do. Now, I will say, I'm trying to think of that figure, so I'm not going to lie to you. I would say 75% of the weeks, I get my six days a week in. But 25%, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. I just don't. It's not that I can't do it. I just don't feel like it. So the challenge of the discipline of doing what God has told you to do is always a significant challenge. And then there's the money. You need to ask God, what's your target? Because most people have what they call unlimited targets. I have a limit of money. It's a limit of money that I can bring into my household. And God said, after this, no more. Now, your company may grow big. I got some huge goals for the company, but I can't take it personally. Most people have never asked God, Lord, is there a limit? See, all of the kings, God told them plainly, don't have too much gold and silver, which means don't have too much money. Don't have too many chariots, which means don't have too many cars. And don't have too many wives and concubines, which means don't have too many women. Most folk have never asked God, Lord, how much money do you want me to have? What they say, Lord, can you bless me with this? Can you bless me with that? Lord, can I hit the lotto for this? They've never asked God, how much do you want me to have? And when you ask God how much he wants you to have, it may be more or less than what you want. But you need to know what is your divine destiny? What does God want you to have? The target. Get the divine target. The next factor, quickly, is time. You can basically tell where your priorities are, where your focus is, what's important to you by just looking at where you spend your time. Where do you spend your time? We were on a business call, Pastor James and I, a couple of days ago. We attend a business group every month. And on the call, 
And that's that's another one of those principles. In order for me to go to another level in business, I had to get around another level of business folk. So I found a group where folk were running 10, 20, 50, 100, 200 million dollar businesses a year. And I joined that group. And it's a different level of thinking and a different level of vibration. And the first thing when I got into the group, the first thing they said, look, stuff does not happen to us. It happens for us. You got a whole different mentality about everything. Stuff doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. So I began to adopt that mentality no matter what it looked like. This is happening for me. God is orchestrating this for me. It's painful, but it's for me. But anyway, in the meeting, the last meeting that we had, they always asked for gems. And Pastor James said, I got a gem, and it comes from my son Joseph. My son Joseph is using this time tracking app. And in the app, it tracks every minute of your day. And he's got it where every 30-minute segment, he's got what he does in that 30-minute segment because he wanted to be super efficient and just get stuff done. And Pastor James said, to be honest, I don't use the app because that's just too detailed for me. I use just a general to-do app, and that's what I use because I hang around James a lot. So he used the to-do app. I used the to-do app. And when I heard about Joseph, just detail app, I said, that's too detailed. That's just too much for me. And sometimes, if God hadn't instructed me, see, Joseph has a different destiny. He has a different level. He's going to a whole different plateau. So he has to have a different consciousness about his time. Now, what I did do about my time is this. And this is what I also learned from the group. They say, figure out how much your time is worth every hour. Let me tell you all how to figure that out real quick. Whatever you earn per year, just divide that by 2,080. And that tells you exactly how much you're worth an hour. Whatever you earn a year, if you make $50,000 a year, divide that by 2,080. If you make $10,000 a year, divide that by 2,080. If you make $100,000 a year, divide that by 2,080. It will tell you exactly how much you earn per hour. This is how much my time is worth. I took mine a step further. I know how much my time is worth by the minute. I really do. I know how much my so actually when folk be you just don't use up three minutes of time. That's thirty six dollars. You don't use up this much time about it. So I actually calculate my time out by the minute. Time is one thing. And somebody asked me recently, said, Pastor, I want you to write this for me, put it in my book. Can you? I said, I'm sorry, but I don't have time to do that. I said, that's gonna cost me this much money into I don't have time to do that. I'm honored, but I don't have the time. Time is one thing we cannot replace. Where are you spending your time? Who's getting your time? And when you really look at how you're spending your time, it will tell you where your priorities are. And you can look at a person and look at their time and you can pretty much tell where they're going. Basically, just about where they are spending their time. I remember when I finished the 24 hour MBA and I was walking and I was trying to tell God, I'm poor, but that's a lot of stuff. I'm ready to kind of take it easy and slow down. And God says, no, I'm taking you to organization and business. So I have to get more organized with how I am spending my time. My goal is I want to be able to do more with the same amount of time. So how do I do that? I organize my time. I know what I'm spending it on. And I have to say no to a lot of stuff. If you don't say no to a lot of stuff, you will say yes to a lot of stuff. And you will not get done what God wants you to do. Some of this stuff and some folks, you just got to say no to. Just like the person the other day who asked me, it was a good thing. But I just said, no, I'm not doing it. I don't have time to do it. There's only 24 hours in a day. You have no more time per day than Elon Musk. He's the richest man on the planet. Now, his time may be worth more per minute than your time is, but you have no more of it or less. 
Both of you have 24 hours in a day. You have no more time than the wealthiest man on earth. So time is valuable. And it's the one thing if you waste, you cannot get back. So time, organize, focus, and make sure you are utilizing your time. You know, I think the average figure right now, how much time folks spend watching TV per day is several hours a day. Now, if you have nothing else to do, if God may speak just like my mother. My mother watches a whole lot of television, but my mother is 88 years old. My mother has supported her husband. She backed her husband to the limit. She raised six successful sons. So my mother has done her job. And my mother has written three books. So she has done her job. So if she want to watch TV all day long, she can do it all. And I have no question. If mama don't get into heaven, ain't nobody going. So, 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 so mama can sit there and she can watch television all day. Because she has done what God has told her to do. And at 88 years old, mama just is healthy. I watched mama, I saw her pop up out of her chair. She didn't jump in no hour and She'd hop right up, walk around and just as spry. And she would say, son, I have no aches. I have no pains. I got plenty of energy. I feel mama can come up these steps and run up these steps. That's what kind of condition mama is. But mama watches TV all day. But what she does watch See, Elijah, when you go over to mama, what's on that TV? Church. church. Now, she watches TV all day, but it's church stuff. Mama watches the word of God all day long. So how you spend your time will determine what you achieve and where you go in life. And the last thing is training. We need to learn. My commands are I have to spend 40 minutes a day working out. I spend one hour a day in prayer, but I spend two hours a day studying. At least that's what I'm supposed to do. You all say supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to do and what you do, two different things. But that's what I'm supposed to do. 40 minutes a day working out, one hour a day in prayer, two hours a day studying. God has told me, I want you to spend twice as much time studying than you even do in prayer. Because there are some stuff we just need to learn and stuff we just need to know. And I study and I read a whole wide spectrum of stuff. So it enlarges my mind and, and it just changes vision. And when you check with God of Lord, what am I supposed to study? What am I supposed to read? What am I supposed to know? He will expand your mind and he will have you constantly learning. The book I'm reading right now is by Bill Gates on how to prevent the next pandemic. Now, some folk gonna say, well, Bill Gates is an antichrist. No, he's not. There's not a biblical shred in that. But the point is. The man has a whole book on just how to prevent the next pandemic. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor, but I'm learning a whole lot of stuff that may benefit me personally when the next one does come. Study, get training. You need to be constantly improving yourself so that every season of time, you're better than what you used to be. When you stop learning, you start dying. And one of the main things people talk about Alzheimer's disease, one of the main things to prevent Alzheimer's is your mind is a muscle. Work it. So if you don't work it, it's going to get weak and your mind is going to start getting fuzzy and you won't be able to think. You won't be able to remember. The mind is a muscle. Work it. So you need to have training. You need to first know the target. Where does God want me to go? I mean, when you start asking God that question, he'll send you to some places. You don't know where I went last year. I walked that 500 miles. I walked it because I asked God, well, Lord, where do I go? I said, that's where you, you want to do what? 
So this year I'm driving Route 66. I'm going to spend 30 days just driving. That's a whole lot easier. Three years from now, I'm going to spend a whole month on a sailboat in the ocean. What? Some of y'all ain't ever heard of that. God will take you to some places and have you doing something. It'll break you out of the ordinary. And you'll do stuff other folks can't even conceive of it. When I'm 70, I'm going to the North Pole. I'm going to stand on top of the earth. And God says, when you're 70, you're going to the North Pole. I'm going to take you to the top of this world. When you ask God, Lord, what's my target? Often he will not give you the same target as everybody else around you. Because you are you. And he'll say, I'm going to get the precious metal that's in you. And I'm going to extract it out. And so many of us, we've got so much in us. But we're only using half. And we're only going halfway. Of God's true destiny for us. The resurrection of you. The other half. If you get nothing else out of this. Just ask God. Lord what is my target. In those four areas. And either he'll speak to you. With a divine voice. With a prophetic voice. With a voice of wisdom. Or you just may have a dream. Lord what is your target for me. And when God speaks to you. Spend the time and spend the training to get to the destiny God has for your life. You can go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this entire three-part series, The Resurrection of You, at brothersoftheword.com, absolutely free of charge, or you can send it to a friend. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part three of the message titled The Resurrection View, subtitled The Other Half, Target Time Training by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5955. That's 5955. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5955 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,